Good morning again. If you are engaging with us online this morning, just to let you know, we're going to be receiving communion today at the end of the message. You can go and get some of those elements so that you can partake of communion with us at home. All right. We are almost finished our Jesus the Disciple Maker series that we have been talking about and doing all fall. How great was Pastor Ben last week? What a great message. If, if you weren't here last week or you missed that message, I encourage you to go uh, to our YouTube page and watch that. It was just a great encouragement on the subject of prayer. Um, just fit perfectly in. I asked him uh, to be as part of the series to speak on that. And it was just a great addition to our series. And the week before we had water baptism. That was so exciting. Uh, just us as a church being able to engage in the great commission. We want to be the type of church that you can bring your friends to. And then that people who are far from God can actually be invited into a relationship with God. And that's what we're focusing on this fall as a series that we want to be the, deci- the type of disciple that can make other disciples. And this is what the Great Commission is. Matthew 28, which we're going to read here in a second, that all fall we're engaging in this idea. What does it mean to be a disciple? And as we follow after Jesus, we shouldn't just be thinking, well, you know, I'm saved now. I'm just waiting to die or I'm just waiting for Jesus to return. That the way we live is very important. And that that way, following the way of Jesus is all about discipleship that I would be a learner and grower. And this would be the lifetime engagement that I would be involved in as I follow Jesus. We read in the very first week of this series, Romans chapter eight, that we are all predestined to be formed into the image of Christ. So there is a moment where we say yes to Jesus and our destiny is changed forever and we receive God's righteousness, but then our thinking needs to change. Amen? And our actions need to change. And our words need to change. And all of that is moving to the image of Christ, that we would be discipled and formed by the hand of God. Matthew 28, verse 19 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we did a couple weeks ago, these two physical things that Jesus left for the church to do, water baptism, which we did a couple weeks ago, and then communion, which we're gonna be doing today. And then verse 20 says this, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So make disciples. So we as disciples would make other disciples and then follow the teachings of Jesus, that we would incorporate the teachings of Jesus into our lives. Not again, not just waiting to die or not just waiting for Jesus to return, but actually taking the teachings of Jesus and have that embodied in our lives to show up in our relationships, to show up on the job, to show up in all of the areas of life that we engage in. So we've had so many opportunities this fall to grow with our services and and with our small groups and with city school and all the different things that we are doing. And again, we have to remind ourselves for us to grow in the things of God, God is asking us to change. We can't stay the same. We don't want to stagnate in our faith. We don't want to stagnate in our growth as individuals that we want to be moving to the image of Christ. And as we move to the image of Christ, we are changed into his image. So we've been looking at different aspects of discipleship that we've been talking about how godly growth is a move towards health in every area of life. As we move to the image of Jesus, we are growing in a godly way. And as we move to Jesus, we are moving to the exceptional. Obviously, we could not argue the point that Jesus was an exceptional individual. All 
of humanity and history has been changed and marked by the coming of Jesus. So we don't want to just accept mediocrity in our lives. We want to move to the exceptional as we move towards Jesus. And again, our growth has a clear goal in mind. We are moving to the image of Christ. So maturity, as we've been talking about, talks about being strong and being persistent. It talks about being joyful. It talks about being wise and having peace. And then as we grow in the things of God, we become less and less selfish. And as we change into the image of Christ, that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. So as we engage in the family of God, we know that our maturity will show up when we come to be part of the family of God by saying, you know, what can I do for somebody else today? Not just, will the team sing my favorite song? Will, will Pastor Brent read my favorite verses? But who can I bless today when I brave the snow of a Canadian winter to come to church? We also need to think about, man, I'm gonna get a chance to worship. I'm gonna get a chance to learn and grow and serve and give. But then I have an opportunity to bless somebody this morning. So we've been talking about being formed in the family of God, understanding what the word of God is talking about. And we're actually gonna be finishing next week talking about the word of God and having good practices with our Bible reading. We talked about loving each other. We talked about being devoted to God. We talked about repentance and how it's not a bad word. We talked about having an experience or an encounter with the spirit of God. We talked about doing good, being salt and light. We talked about faith. And then last week, Pastor, Bren, Pastor Ben uh, taught us about prayer. Isaiah 64, verse 8 says this. Yet you, O Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And this is how we need to see ourselves in the context of salvation, that God wants to shape us. And none of us are discipleship neutral. We are being discipled in some way. The news could be shaping us, culture could be shaping us, Netflix can be shaping us, our phones, whatever is coming through the, all of the screens that we are watching, all of that can shape our thinking and our words and our actions. But the followers of Jesus have to, with intentionality, follow the teachings of Jesus and say to God, God, I want you to shape me. I want you to form me. I am placing my life in your hands. That the father, the loving heavenly father who sent his son, Jesus, wants to shape you and change you. And he does it with love. So as we uh, get to the end here of this series, something really important, and we see this in the life of Jesus. We're going to talk this morning about resisting temptation and what this would mean in our lives and, and how it would show up. We know the scripture tells us that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. And when we think about temptation, you know, we, we think about the enemy tempting us, you know, that, that the devil is not going to show up at your front door in a red suit with a pitchfork and say to you, hey, let's go do some stuff. This is not the way the enemy works. He, he, he's subtle, but we can be aware of his practices and we can be aware of his devices. And then really, he's just trying to get us to mess up on our thinking. The devil doesn't have all power. We don't have to be scared of the enemy. The scripture tells us that he is the deceiver. In other words, he's trying to get us to think wrong. He's trying to get us to believe wrong things. But we can resist 
temptation. We don't have to give in to temptation in our lives. Now, why does the enemy want us to sin? Now, we know the obvious answers. We know that sin separates us from God. And then when we grow up sort of in a Christian home or in a Christian environment, some sort of religious environment, we know that when we do sin and we mess up, we could feel guilty and we could feel shame for the things that we've done that, that are, you know, wrong and that are sinful. And so we could just get stuck in that place of, of sensing shame and guilt. And that's what we're going to have a communion today to remind us about the faithfulness of God to forgive us. Now, that's a part of it. But the, the other part of it, and I would say the big part of it, is the enemy is after your purpose. And when we give in to temptation and we give in to the ways of the enemy, that we are just, and, and again, it's not becoming a Satan worshiper or something. Part of it could just be a distracted individual, just wasting our time. Is, does anyone know of some ways you can waste time nowadays? Man, there's so many ways we can just waste time. See, the enemy doesn't care what we do as long as we don't do the purposes of God. So we can just live distracted lives. We can just live lives that are useless, not doing anything, lazy lives. And the enemy is after your purpose because God has a purpose for you to live as it relates to your life and to your family right now. Acts 13 verse 36 says this. Now, when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Now, we know this is the destination for all of us. But before we die and decay in the grave, what does God want us to do? He wants us to serve his purposes in our generation. God has something for you to do. God has ways for you to live. God has a family for you to raise, a friend to be. God wants us to serve his purposes. The enemy does not want us to serve God's purposes. The enemy wants us to get us track, wants us to get discouraged, wants us to become obsessed with anything but the will of God. But God has plans and purposes for us. And don't you know that God has defeated the enemy? Are you here this morning? And so we don't have to follow the ways of the enemy for life. We can actually follow the ways of God. But for us to do that, we have to resist temptation. Luke 22, 31, and we we see this here with Jesus' disciples. And if Jesus' disciples who walked with him face temptation, so will we. And it's not a sin to face temptation. It is part and parcel of living on the earth. Living in this broken world, we are going to face temptation. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brother's But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go to prison and to death. Peter's always answering before he's thinking. Verse 34, Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. That the enemy is after your purpose. Peter's all bravado. You know, I'm never going to mess up. I'll go to prison. I'll die for you. And Jesus is like, I know, I know. I know, Peter. But before this day is over, 
you're just gonna deny me three times. And we all have really good intentions, don't we, as followers of Jesus? Are you here today? We have intentions. We have a heart, we have a love for God. To live without sin or with as less sin as possible. And, and really this, the word sin, you know, people, some people don't like the word sin. Sin just means to miss the mark. There is a way for you to live. And when you don't live according to God's intended purposes, you miss the mark and that's sin. And God doesn't like sin because when you sin, you mess up your life and you mess up the lives of others. Has anyone else's sin ever messed up your life? Are you here today? Is anyone else, when they miss the mark, it hurts you? You know what I'm saying? This is why God doesn't want us to sin. It hurts you and it hurts your loved ones. But this is the enemy wants us to do, sift us. In other words, shake us, get us off track, get us thinking the wrong thing, bring circumstances in our way that we would quit and give up or just do nothing. And then Jesus realized that Peter was gonna mess up and then he was gonna sin. And then what he said, that he would pray that your faith wouldn't fail. But then he said, after you've turned back, in other words, you are gonna sin, Peter. And at some point when you repent, that's what, remember we talked about repentance. When you turn back from your sin, strengthen your brothers. See, this is, why God doesn't want us to live a life of sin, going in the wrong direction. God wants us to turn to the ways of God so that we can be active in the kingdom of God, strengthening one another, loving one another. But how many know when you live a life of sin, a life of selfishness, you're not looking to help anybody else. Just trying to do your own thing, trying to satiate your desires. You're not necessarily thinking about anybody else, but you can do for somebody else. You're just thinking about you. See, God wants to do something in us always. So we're talking about discipleship this fall. God wants you to grow up. But the reason he wants you to grow up in the things of God is because he wants to do something through you. These are the purposes of God for all of us in here today. That David served the purposes of God in his own generation. And the enemy wants you to do anything but that. Matthew 26, verse 40 says this. And when he returned to his disciples, he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We all know this to be true, right? with the intentions in our heart. And then Jesus here gives us a big hint so that if we don't fall into temptation, that we don't go the ways of God, what is it? Watch and pray. Be aware of what's going on. Spend time with God. Go see Pastor Ben's message from last week. That we would spend time praying and when we strengthen our spirit... We're yielding to the ways of God. And when we strengthen and give in to the ways of our flesh, it's, you know, have you ever faced any addiction in your life? And sometimes, you know, your, your flesh will tell you, just one more time. Just one more bite. 
just one more hour. And then the next day, just one more bite. Just one more time. And this is the nature of our flesh. This is the nature of human flesh. And again, if we just follow the dictates of our flesh, we won't be following the purposes of God. But our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And this is a big part of just the awareness. Being aware that we just don't give into all of the things that our flesh is asking of us because our flesh can be so loud we can't hear the voice of God, but our spirit is willing and our flesh is weak. Matthew chapter four, this is Jesus facing temptation. Again, all of these are real temptations that Jesus faced, but without sin. And as we look at the things that Jesus overcame and and the, the temptations of the enemy, we know from learning from these scriptures, we can also overcome these things. We can have the spirit of God on the inside of us helping us. Matthew chapter four, verse one says this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point in the temple that we don't know if this was just a vision or he was actually physically up there. But either way, this temptation is true. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. After that, after the devil left him, the angels came and attended to him. So what was the enemy after here as it related to Jesus? Just Jesus to feel guilt and shame? How many think Jesus had a purpose for coming? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That the enemy was after his purpose. He was after his destiny. And these things that Jesus faced are the things that we face. Now, we, we might not understand in its totality because, you know, we, we can't actually turn a stone into bread. So we're like, I'm not worried about that one. But the principle in the temptation is what we need to understand and what we need to look at. And we need to look at and see how Jesus resisted temptation. Because the way Jesus resisted temptation is how we are gonna resist temptation. Because temptations are gonna come. And again, it's not a sin, it's not a sin to face temptation. But we need to be equipped as disciples so that we can serve the purposes of God in our generation. 40 days and 40 nights, he was fasting and praying. So what would be an obvious temptation that the enemy would bring? The temptation of food. And it's not just talking about food or gluttony, 
But here this temptation is about our flesh. Kind of touched on it a little bit a minute ago. But how many know your flesh can talk to you? And it's loud in its desires. Have you ever had your flesh? You've had dinner. You've had a dessert. Sit down on the sofa with your family. And then your flesh says to you, did you see that cake in the fridge? It's talking to you. What is, what is Jesus' response? <laughs> How is Jesus going get, to get through this temptation as it relates to the strength of our flesh? Because again, if we just live led by our flesh, we're not living led by God. Jesus said, it is written. He responds with the word of God. Responding with scripture. So this is why we need to be aware of this, what the scripture says. What, what is the purposes of God for my life? Who has God called me to be? What is God wanting me to do in 2022? How is he wanting me to operate in my family? Who am I in my family? My husband, am I a wife, am I a child? Who, who am I in the context of my friendships? Am I supposed to be a leader or am I supposed to just let everybody else lead me around? On the job, how how am I supposed to be working on the job? As a boss, a manager, as an employee? What does the scripture say about all of these things? Because there will be temptations in all of these areas. To be aware of what the scripture says, to be aware of the purposes of God. Jesus responded with scripture. Jesus did not let his body dominate him. And again, this is the area where we mess up where we sin, where we struggle, that our body can dictate. What else is being talked about here? That this this temptation, if you're the son of God, see, Jesus was facing these temptations as a man, resisting the temptations. See, if Jesus was facing the temptations as God, it would be very easy for him just to resist the temptations, but he knows what it like to, to, to feel hunger, that his body would be crying out to him. So in other words here, we're gonna allow God to provide for me, not just what I can do in and of myself. What can I do with just my flesh, with just my ability, as opposed to relying on God I know man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that God will provide what I need, not just what I can do for myself. Something else here is Jesus would be doing something outside of the will of God. Now, we think about another bread story in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were fed with manna. That was fully God's provision. Not asking for something outside of the will of God. Because there is no scripture that turned the stone into bread scripture promise. There is no promise for that. So Jesus would have to go outside of the scripture to ask for that. But instead, he relied on God. 
took Jesus to the top of the temple. What is the temptation here? Because he said his response, because the enemy came with a scripture. It's like, we, you can go up to the top of the temple and if you throw yourself down and he misquoted a scripture, he left a part out. And the part out was in all your ways. In other words, in the ways of our lives, God is going to be protecting us. But we're not trying to set up ways for God to protect us, right? We don't go to the top of the building and say, I know God's going to protect me and jump off because gravity will take hold. We're not going to tempt the Lord God. We're not going to try to manipulate some circumstance where we're trying to prove the faithfulness of God. We're just going to trust in the faithfulness of God. Again, Jesus responded with scripture. I'm not going to tempt the Lord God. And finally, all the kingdoms of the world. Now think about it. This is Jesus' destiny. King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is, was Jesus' intended purpose. But here, the enemy was offering him a shortcut. Do you remember David in the Old Testament that God anointed him to be king when he was 16? And then he wasn't king for 14 more years. And there was an, a time where he was in a cave. Do you remember the story? And Saul came in to go to the bathroom and he had an opportunity to kill Saul and Saul was actually after him. But how many of you know that would have been the shortcut? Because what happens to kings who kill a sitting king that most likely they're gonna get killed? So David resisted the shortcut. Jesus is resisting the shortcut. We could have an opportunity on the job to tear down our boss to the other managers. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And you could try to manipulate your way into a promotion. But you know what? There's a better way to promotion is to put our trust in God. It might take another two or three years. But the shortcut of the enemy is never the path that we want to choose. I could give you all of this, the enemy said. You just got to bow down and worship me. You don't have to go through the cross, Jesus. But the ways of the kingdom are through serving and sacrifice. Leadership in the kingdom is through serving and sacrifice. It's not bowing down to the enemy. It's not bowing down to a manipulation. Here, Jesus, we'll just give you this power and you can have all the power. See, grasping at power as an end in itself is not the ways of the kingdom. That the power and influence that God gives you is for you to be able to serve and to love others. This is the ways of the kingdom. But the enemy says, I'm gonna offer you a shortcut. And then whatever we worship is the God we serve. And this is what the enemy was wanting. And again, 
when we think about worshiping, it's having at the center of our heart and our lives anything but God. And there's so many temptations in this area to put anything and everyone and yourself on the throne of your life and not God. And when we do that, when we put anything on the throne of our lives except God, we miss the purposes of God. See, and in all of this, the enemy was trying to get Jesus off track of his purpose. And this is why the enemy comes to you and me. He has, God has a purpose for you. He has things for you to do. And we should desire those things. Not just to give in to the ways of the enemy, the shortcuts that the enemy would provide. And not just just pride. See, Jesus, here the enemy was trying to appeal to pride in Jesus and thank God it wasn't there. That you could just be in charge of everything right now. See, all the things that the enemy tempts us with can bring short-term satisfaction but will bring long-term negative results. All of the things that the enemy tempts us with can bring short-term satisfaction, but with long-term negative results. But with God and the ways of God, there is no such negativity. That God is calling us to trust him, to know that he's faithful. That I don't have to choose shortcuts that will be negative in the long run, that I could choose the ways of God. First John chapter two, verse 15 says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. This is not talking about people. This is talking about the ways of the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, lust just means strong desires. The pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So think about all these shortcuts that the enemy was offering to Jesus. It it would have been one and done, and then Jesus' ministry would have been over. But the ways of God live forever. The ways of God are eternal and have eternal impact. And this is what God wants for our lives. That our lives would actually have an impact, but the enemy wants us to waste our lives with all the desires and all the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But we can resist. We don't have to give in to the ways of the enemy. We can respond the way Jesus responded. It is written. I know what the word of God says. I'm not going to waste my life on this and on this and on this. That God has purposes for you and I to live out. We don't have to live distracted lives. We don't have to live lives where our flesh just rules us. Psalm 119, 11 says this. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I can hide God's word in my heart. That I can know his ways. 
I could know his purposes for me. Why would I do this? Because I, I, I don't want to live a life of sin. I don't want to live a life off track. I just don't want to live however the culture would say today that I'm supposed to live. That I could live the ways of God. Let's receive communion together today. If you're there on the front row, the elements are by your, the leg of your chair and all the other chairs that'll be underneath the seat in front of you. If you are visiting with us today and you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you to receive communion with us this morning, but you don't have to feel pressured to. Just to remind you, you can open up that top cellophane piece and just hold the wafer in your hand here for a second. When we talk about something like this, potentially we could condemn ourselves because all of us have sinned, the scripture tells us. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us have given in to our flesh at some point. And all of us let our flesh dominate us at some point. And like I said at the beginning, those things can be for us just guilt and shame that I'm just living in this place that I never measure up, that I'm never good enough. See, when I fail, God's love does not. And when our actions are not holy, God's always are. And this is why we receive communion. It reminds us of the goodness of God. It reminds us that God is present in our lives, that he is not some distant deity somewhere else that Jesus said to do this and remember to me, we're gonna read these verses here in a second, but God is close to us. Even when we have sinned and messed up, God comes close to us again. He offers us his grace. He offers us his mercy. He offers us his forgiveness. Luke twenty-two nineteen says this, and he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So what are we doing today? We are remembering Jesus. That we have sinned, but we serve the sinless lamb of God who is our savior. And at the centerpiece of our relationship with him is the righteousness that he offers to us, that he gives us because of the forgiveness that he gives us. So if we can look back at our week and be like, you know what? This is a bad week. I just let my body rule me and this thing happened. I made this wrong choice and I gave into this thing. This moment reminds us we can come close to God because he is always close to us. Let's pray today. Father God, we just thank you. We remember Jesus today. We thank you, Lord, that his body was broken for us. God, we know that Jesus took stripes on his back so our bodies could be healed. So we just open ourselves up today, Lord, to your healing power from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We know, Lord, that Jesus is famous for healing. So we remember that today, Lord. We say yes to your healing power, that your power is greater than any pain or any disease that we might be facing today. God, and if we're here this morning and we have a broken heart, something has gone wrong in our past and today our emotions are in a mess. 
Lord, you say you bind up the brokenhearted. So we thank you, Lord, that you are healing hearts today. We remember your goodness. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's eat together. You can open up the cup. Just hold it here for a second. Verse 20. says, In the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The brand new covenant that we have with God. That because of Jesus shed blood, that our Sins have no more power over us, can no longer separate us from God. That we come to God in our mess ups, in our mistakes, in our sins. And this reminds us that the offer of forgiveness is eternal. That our past doesn't dictate our future all of the things that we have done wrong because of this brand new covenant in Jesus, that we are free from sin, the effects of sin, the eternal effects of sin. Let's just pray today. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus that he came and he willingly went to the cross and he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So we thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness today, that you're calling us all home. God, that we can be close and we can be stand in your righteousness. We can stand in your righteousness because of Jesus' shed blood. That Jesus said, it is finished. That our sins are washed away. That we don't have to live in the guilt and shame of our past, but we can live free from our sin because of your goodness. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's drink together. Hey, if you are here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus, never made Jesus the Lord of your life, just like I've been talking about today, you know, our sin separates us from God. But the good news that Jesus came and he lived a sinless life. He resisted all of these temptations that we fall into. <coughs> the scripture tells us that he died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because of all of that happened, that God offers us a relationship with himself. And it just comes by grace. In other words, it's a gift. And all we have to do is say yes to that gift. So if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life today, I'm gonna to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. But also if you're here this morning, and you know, and at one time in the past, you were close to God and something happened to you. Maybe something happened at church, something negative, and you kind of feel distant from God today. You know, God is not mad at you today. God invites you close to himself again. You pray this prayer with me as well. So church, we're gonna pray this prayer out loud, praying it with somebody who might be praying it for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this prayer out loud. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life, 
and he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So God, today I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to turn from my own ways and I follow yours. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's congratulate those that did that today. Hey, if that is you this morning, we actually have some materials that we would love to put into your hand that will help you on your discipleship journey. This is a one-time moment where we say yes to Jesus that all of us need. But as we've been talking about in this series, Jesus wants us to follow him all the days of of our lives. So those materials will help you to do that. So the connect card that we mentioned earlier in the service, if you just grab that, check off the appropriate box. And if you turn that into our info desk in the lobby, they will be happy to give you those materials. If you came to church today, hoping to have somebody to pray with you or for you about any circumstance that you might be facing in life, some of our church leaders are coming up to the stage right now and they will be happy to pray with you about any of those situations and circumstances. You guys can make your way up to the front when we're dismissed here in a second. Let's all stand up together today. Make sure you drive safely and slowly on the way home and we will see you next Sunday when we finish Jesus, the disciple maker. Have a great afternoon. You are dismissed.